Uh, I'm Liliana Chigozi from Uganda, and I am the founder and CEO of Women's Miles Uganda. This, this, is, this is Diversified Game Game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today, this smiling face that you see, Miss Lillian, is the reason and the person behind Women Smiles Uganda. This is not just a business. It's not just she's doing good. She's doing this out of a need because as we read on how we made it in Africa and we thank them for covering these great stories, she is battling hunger because this is something that is very serious. Not that she was just not hungry, but she actually had a sibling die, starved to death. And she's telling us how she has actually created this beautiful business and organization to stop that from happening to anybody else and putting a new face on Africa and how we do with food. So how are you doing today, Miss Lillian? Ah, I'm doing fine. Very fine. I'm okay. How are you, Kellen? I am blessed by the best. I want to get into your story, but the article that you had um, and the questions that you answered on how we made it into Africa, I don't want to repeat anything there. So <laughs> what I want to start with this organization in vertical farming, and we will show pictures and have links. If you can tell the people, how many vertical farms do you have out there? How many have you sold? And I know you've given away a lot, but how many have you sold? <laughs> yeah, sure, thank you. Uh, so far we've sold 6,500 vertical farms to women. Uh, these, of course, these are women, like I mentioned in the article, these are women in underserved communities, 6,500. Wow. And, and, and you're doing this, you know, I know your marketing team is going door to door um, with selling yeah. six, 6,000. I mean, that's a great number. Have you seen an increase or have you been able to increase during COVID? Uh, actually, um, between March and June, we experienced a total lockdown here. Like no cars were moving, like we're all locked down in our homes. So during that period, what we did, we actually worked to reach out to our customers. And in that period, yes, we sold a few vertical farms, but we managed to bring on board new customers that we didn't have initially because we realized that people were urging for our vertical farms. People were yearning like to grow crops in their homes because most of them were idle. They were not working. So they resorted to vertical farming. So that also worked for us. Yes, we had challenges of not having vehicles moving around, but we managed to walk to nearby places where we could reach and we offered our services. When you started this, you didn't start off with having a big loan and you didn't start off. I know the NGOs are supporting um, now, but when you started, how did you get that first capital to, to just start and make something happen? Because that's the hardest part many entrepreneurs have. Uh, thank you so much. 
actually I didn't get a loan anywhere. Uh, but this idea of coming up with a vertical farm, I had it, of course, growing up with such an experience, I, I thought I could get an idea that could help out the people in the underserved communities. So while, while I was still a student at the university, uh, here in Uganda, university students are sponsored and they are given lunch. So instead of me going for lunch, I saved my lunch money and I, and I had to forego the lunch. So I used to have breakfast and then, and then dinner. So the lunch money is what I saved for the three years I was at the university. I used to save $300. That's the initial capital that I used to purchase the equipment, the inputs, and I manufactured the 21st vertical farms. That's a sacrifice that many Americans would say, I have to eat. That's why we're so fat. Uh, with, with that sacrifice and you growing, are there any opportunities for people to be able to um, invest into your organization? And I want to say invest because, you know, aid is, is dead. When, when, when we give aid, um, we're not seeing the benefit. There's been many of books written on giving aid. So if we tell the world, hey, you can invest this money, and even if it's a small return, get a return, maybe that could help um, organizations like yours that are doing good grow faster. Are there any opportunities like that now or that you see in the future? Well, yeah, there is. Actually, so far, we got an investment with YGAP that's in Australia and they are investing in us. They are going to invest in us. We haven't yet received the money, but we've signed that memorandum of understanding and everything is set. So that's really a good, a good thing that we see that even in the future, we'll get more and more investors on board since already we have this organization and it's really a big organization. So they, they have really trusted us and they have invested in our organization. So we hope that in the near future, We'll get more investors on board because we really need to grow our our business. Remember, no one can live without food, so we need to extend this. Even if we extend it to the whole of Africa, and we've so far had different people in different countries. People people in France they are reaching out to me and they want to scale this. So we hope that we'll get investors from that side. Yeah, thank you. If you can, for uh, investors, can you tell us what um, could they expect as far as what's the minimum investment that you think would make a difference? And then also for investors, what type of return and how long? Because I, I push this heavy, investing in Africa now, <laughs> but I want people to understand that your investment, it might take three months, it might take three years. So do you have an idea of what, you know, these first round of investors, how much, how long, and what is the return? Thanks so much. Um, currently, we want to start small. We don't want to go into big, huge investment amounts. No, we want something that we can manage. So we are seeking for $200,000. And this can run for a minimum of three years and a 20% return on investment for any investor who can invest in us. 
Okay, and that's two hundred thousand U.S. dollars, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because some folks will say, "Wait, did she say dollars are Ugandan shillings?" And you know, <laughs> they, then they get excited, like, "No, that's, that's not gonna. <laughs> that's not an investment. That's, that's a, no! a donation." <laughs> now, now with having um, such a large team, are you? How did you get, you know, used to and find a system to have everybody doing what you needed them to do? Because that's not easy. It's it's hard sometimes to just manage yourself. and they really understood so from that from that incident we have never experienced any other incident of that sort so we work as a family and we always encourage each other because remember when i was choosing this team i made sure that these are the people who are sharing the same vision like i do so they have the passion for what we are doing and there is no way they can sabotage what we are doing. So by them knowing that and having that passion, we are able to move forward without any conflicts. Now, you know, you are solving a problem, which every business, every great business is solving a problem. And now that you're managing such a you know wide team and investment is coming, um, offers are coming even abroad, do you see yourself opening up another business or businesses or is this your main focus, you know, for the next five to 10 years, maybe a lifetime? Uh, not really. Actually, <laughs> we want, we want to expand. I want to expand this. If, if possible, scale it to other countries because when you, you look at the hunger and poverty problem, it does not affect Ugandans only. You find that it's affecting almost all Africans in Africa. So if, I'm, if it's possible, I'm sure and I believe that this can be scalable in other countries. And of course, I cannot work alone. Maybe what I would opt for, get partners in different countries that I can easily work with to expand this business. So partners, and will you have a program that folks can see on your website anytime soon in case people say, yes, we'd like to have this in Cameroon, in, um, you know, the Congo. Anything on your website um, in the near future, if people do want to partner and say, we would like this in Namibia, or we would like this in Cameroon, how, how could they reach out to you to understand how your system works to make sure that it's a good fit and, and that they could do the work? Uh, okay, 
Okay, thank you so much. Actually, they can reach out to us through our website. We have an email, updated. They can just email us and we receive the email. And if they want more details, you can always share those details with them for those who are serious to work with us. So our website is always fresh and updated with content and with our contacts. So they can always reach out to us and we'll be there to share anything. They are serious about vertical farms and working with your organization. How much startup capital do they need? Because, you know, everybody is interested when they don't think they need to have their own money. But because you started off, you know, saving your lunch money, you know, maybe there is it will inspire somebody to save their lunch money. But how much should they save until they contact you? Well, I guess I would think an individual, because it always starts with one. Uh, with an individual, first of all, to start up that, you have to undergo a training. You don't just wake up one morning and you say, I want to set up a vertical farm. So we have to recruit the individual onto our training team. We go through, we undergo that training team. And then, if it's in a different country, in a different country, let's say Namibia, a person you have to assist us with the air ticket. If possible, we share the cost. It depends on how much dollars the, the, the airline is charging. So we will have to share the cost for that. Thank you so much, Helen. Uh, so if an individual wants to partner with us, uh, first, we have to meet physically. He either flies here or we fly the other side. But the best option is us flying the other side. And I always move with a team of four people. I myself, I have to be there, and then my other three work colleagues. So when we fly to that side, we undergo a training. So we have to take through that individual, what is required, the, necess the, the necessary requirements, uh, you know some countries are different. Here in Uganda, yes, we might have some equipment made at cheaper, at cheaper prices. And then it might not be the same with, let's say, a person in Namibia. So that also will depend on how much the equipment and the inputs go for in that specific country. So if you gauge, let's say we can maybe go for a minimum of thousand dollars that a person may need to start up that's for an individual and then for a group of 20 20 to 50 people that group may need fifteen thousand dollars to start up something you start small and then you grow you grow you grow so it depends on the cost of the equipment in that specific country because Transporting the equipment from here to another country may be more expensive. So it's better we use the equipment and the resources in that specific country where the partner is.
So instead of someone trying to even buy the units from you and have them shipped, they should we we should build right where they're at using what they have, correct? Yeah, exactly. That's if they can be found outside. But I'm sure Africa is rest with so many resources. Some so even other African countries can have the same resources we have. So it will vary on how much they sell them that side. So but we can the only thing the person needs is my team to undergo the training, to undergo how the vertical farms are made because they are a bit technical and then how the crops they are how the crops are grown because you don't just get the seeds and then plant them. You have to first organize a nursery bed and then get seedlings. So it's the seedlings that you use to go then there you can get quality yield and then you can gain more out of the fresh produce. Talk about some of the produce that you are able to grow because you know folks will go to your beautiful website and they'll see a bunch of green and and lettuce and you know in the west uh, where everything is processed um we're not used to fresh so what type of produce are are you able to grow with these vertical farms uh thank you actually we most of most of the produce we grow we grow green we grow vegetables uh that is cabbages we grow spinach, we grow lettuce, then the fruit, so far we have we have strawberries that we can grow using our vertical farms, but most of the the produce that we grow are vegetables and then the cereals, we can grow beans we can grow peas, and then we can grow onions, all the spices all the green spices that you can pick up, so we have Great. And the next question that I ask you is something I ask all my guests, and you've been talking about it this whole interview. So I want you to either tell us, um, you know, something fresh, something new, or something that you want to do. But my question is, what is your community give back that you are doing, Women Smiles Uganda, (laughs) or that you plan on doing in the future? Okay, thank you so much. Uh, community give back, actually we do, we give out reusable sanitary pads to our girls because I'm so passionate about girls and women. So we give out reusable sanitary pads to the girls. And then we also have a, a team of girls this way are sexually abused. So we try to restore hope in them, we try to talk to them and we also provide financial financial training that's in bookkeeping because you find that these are some of the young girls who want to start up their businesses so we do that free of charge with my accounting team so we do that to to the girls and women free of charge so currently that's our our give back and we hope that we'll continue doing that because you find that most girls have dropped out of school they don't have reusable sanitary pads that they can use. They get ashamed, like, you know that situation, I don't know if I can explain it better, but it's really a critical situation when us girls are experiencing such a situation. So if you're not equipped 
with the knowledge and then with the health reusable sanitary pads, there is no way you can be comfortable at school. So those are resorted to, to dropping out of school. So we are doing that as women's mouth so that we can improve education and we can empower the girl child. Such great work that you are doing, Lillian. And I thank you for coming and giving us the game and showing us how we can make an impact and, and share this story, people. Like, share, subscribe. I want you to share it with somebody because Africa is the now and the future, and it's always been. So Lillian, thank you for your time. Um, anything you want to leave the people with before we go? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I want to leave something to the youth out there. I want to tell them never to give up. They should always be optimistic about the future, that regardless of the situations they are going through, yes, you might experience something challenging today, but in the future, you can be someone. I'm talking out of experience. I experienced so many challenges in my life at a very young age, and here I am owning my own company. So let them not give up. They should keep moving. They should keep dreaming. Thank you. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.